Welcome, welcome, welcome to the inaugural Compete Sports Diversity Podcast. We are your friends who know everything about sports diversity, and if we don't, we'll find out for you. We have a great cast here today to talk all about sports diversity. In fact, I am right next to one of my co-hosts, the very lovely. Now, I'm going to try this. If I get it wrong, you have to tell me, okay? You got it. Rhonda Rasich. Did I get it right that time? Nailed it. And how long have I known you, Rhonda? Like four or five years? <laughs> Pretty close. And we've done so many things together, and I have to ask her every time, how do we pronounce her name? So before we go on to everybody else, Rhonda, before I tell them a little bit about Compete, they want to know all about you. Yeah, my name is Rhonda Rasich. I'm a professional racquetball player. I've been on the U.S. team for, I think I just requalified for my 24th year as a competing member of Team USA. Um, been on the pro tour for just as long. And uh, I've actually taken some time off this last year actually to write a book due out uh, early next summer called Never Off My Feet. And uh, the other reason I took some time off from, from the courts this season is um, I've been doing a lot of speaking and coaching, and that's nothing new. I've been doing both of those things for a little over 18 years, but um, I, I really kind of wanted to dive into it, um, do more of it more often. I've realized uh, the impact that sharing certain stories, sharing certain tools, sharing certain experiences can have on an audience, and, and hopefully, you know, maybe they don't have to go through everything I went through to learn what I learned. And if I can pass that on, pay it forward, um, I'd like to do more of that more often and just try to help more people. So, Well, hopefully this podcast will reach many of you out there and you'll be able to do that right here today too, Rhonda. We're so grateful to have you. I'm so glad to call you a, a good friend. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. My name is Eric Carlisle. I'm the CEO of Compete Sports Diversity. Our vision is to unite the real three sports, and we do that by connecting all sorts of groups of people together to help uh, make sports diversity on the top of everyone's mind. And we do that every single day. And today we're here in Mesa, Arizona with our friends at Visit Mesa to bring you this podcast. But we have a zany cast of characters here today. There's only one person in the room that's taller than me, and that's our good friend Lance. Lance, say hi to our great audience out there. Hi, everyone. Uh, yeah, just a tad bit taller, um, mostly because of my hair. But um, I'm Lance. I'm the director of sports at Visit Mesa, and we're so happy to, to be hosting you all here. And of course, um, our last partner in crime today is, is my good friend who I've known also for, I think, 15 years is John J.J. Defee. John, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Eric. Uh, I'm excited to be here. Uh, my role with Compete Sports Diversity, I'm the Vice President of Partnerships. A uh, little bit of background, I have some experience and ran uh, one, of our, one of the largest LGBT sports organizations uh, in the world, known as NAGA, uh, the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance. And so I did that for just shy of four years of running that organization, putting on uh, community sports events. Awesome, awesome, awesome. If you want to find out more about Compete, you can go to our website at competenetwork.com where you can read about all the great work we're doing. And if you want to reach out to us anytime, please just email us at podcast at competenetwork.com. And so we'll uh, hope maybe have you on as a guest. We're always looking for some great guests um, to help us out too. We also want to give a shout out not only to Visit Mesa, but to all the great partners we work with out there. Can Community Health is one of our premier partners, and we're so grateful that they're here helping us with this podcast today and all the other great uh, Compete partners too. Um, there's some exciting news from the world of sports, from the world of sports diversity, and I'm going to turn that over to our good friend JJ for our news flash. All right, Eric, thank you. So we've got some really exciting events that recently took place, starting with NAGA, the North American Gay Amateur Athletic Alliance, hosting their 46th annual Gay Softball World Series, August 28th through uh, September 3rd in the Twin Cities. They utilize 24 softball fields, six host hotels, over 6,000 hotel room nights, uh, 4,000 total participants, and they're proud to share that their direct economic impact numbers were over $8 million. Uh, so some exciting stuff with the, with the series to be hosted next year uh, in 2024 in Memphis, Tennessee. Our, also, our other good friends, Asana, the Amateur Sports Alliance of North America, 
held their 16th annual Softball World Series uh, this past September uh, with two host hotels, 900 plus hotel room nights. They have 4,600 uh, members total with 29 member associations represented. Uh, and they had a great partnership with San Diego Partners. So it was really exciting times, a lot of uh, support, community participation, uh, and look forward to their events next year. John, let's give a shout out to our good friends at Molson Coors for all the work they're doing in the community and the work they did with Naga and also here with uh, Compete Sports Diversity. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you identify what you do. And tell us, I wanna hear about your records, what you've done in softball, because that kind of brings us to our, or, sorry, racquetball. That kind of brings us to our first roundtable topic. We're gonna talk about women's sports. I, I've done a few things. I'm, I feel like I actually have to go look at my website now to remember. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of a long list. Um, but I have been playing racquetball and basketball since I was two. So um, just growing up in a very athletic family. Um, my father was the oldest of five boys. All five of them played professional something at some point. I've got two uncles with World Series rings, another uncle that holds the record for the longest punt at the University of Miami, et cetera, et cetera. So excellence was kind of expected in my family. Um, I was also the first born uh, child of either side of my family, my mother or, or my father, and I'm also the only only child of my family. So um, no pressure, just, you know, keep the family go family name going. Um, but I, I, I've, I mean, I've enjoyed it, though. I, I enjoy and you played it. more than just professional sports. You started in college, right? I mean, I, I, I played, yeah, I played racquetball and basketball. Um, my parents joined the gym when I was two, and I figured out how to sneak out, and I would run and go grab a basketball and find my dad on the racquetball court and I would run up and steal his racket between his racquetball games so um, I, I've been playing sports my whole life um, I played basketball primarily through um, elementary school middle school high school and college and then sort of accidentally qualified for the US team the adult team uh, a little earlier in my life than I thought I would and just happened to coincide with them starting a whole new women's pro tour and I figured I'd give that a shot for a year and if it didn't work out I'd go back to basketball it's not like I was gonna be out of shape um, I ended up making the finals of my first ever U.S. Open and finishing my rookie season number three in the world. So kind of got that ball rolling and just never turned back. Now I do miss basketball. I do still feel like I'm actually better at basketball than I am at racquetball. But, uh, you know, dreams never die. So it's st still on the table for me. Um, but, yeah, I've, I mean, I've won several national titles, um, several world titles, uh, Pan Am medals. Uh, there's... There's, there's so many tournaments, they're all kind of blending together now after a So how's life long. on the yacht? Did you, did you have lots of money? Did you get ready to retire here in the next five or ten years? No, and that brings me to my next point. Um, as far as, you know, changing the landscape of women's sports, uh, it, it is, the needle is moving, but it is still moving very slowly. Um, I know Title IX did, did a lot of good, but there's still a lot more to be done, and there's a lot more than just Title IX that we need to lean on to do that. Uh, I feel like the only sport I can think of where the prize money is consistently even is tennis. Um, if I'm incorrect, please let me know. I would, I would love to shake the hand of whoever is in charge of the other sports that are providing that equality and equity. Um, my sport, I will give you an example. At one point, our, and this was years ago, it has gotten better. But at one point, um, I had a sponsor who, I was the top female pro they sponsored and the top male pro they sponsored when he finished number one in the world that year, his bonus, was, I was told, was uh, over $300,000. I did the exact same thing, finished number one in the world, and my end-of-the-year bonus was $6,000. So it's not even close, and I'm sure that there's plenty other sports that experience the same thing, and it, there just needs to be more awareness. There needs to be more um, activism in the equity, equity and equality because we're literally doing the same thing. 
We're, we're literally playing the same sport with the same rules, with the same equipment in the same venue. And it, there's no excuse for why we don't earn what we deserve for doing the same thing that they're doing for millions upon millions of dollars. So, John, that brings up a point I want to ask you about because, you know, you led one of the largest LGBTQ plus sports organizations in the country. Yes. You know, in the past, we look at a lot of the sporting events and you see groups that are being sponsored by Lexus and Molson Coors and some of these great companies like Cintas that do a great job. The women don't seem to get as many sponsorships. And I don't think that's really because of the sponsors. I think that not everyone knows about the women's tournaments. The, the predominantly male tournaments have been around a lot longer. They have a lot stronger board. They have a lot stronger network. But we're really starting to see a lot of that come around to the women's sports as well. So at least this is backyard sports. This isn't what you do, which is which is at a much higher level, Rhonda. But even groups like Asana, which is the predominantly women's organization. In fact, they call it Women's Plus, I believe, which yes. means anybody who identifies as a woman is welcome. They got Samsung this year. Yes. So that's a pretty exciting announcement. Yeah, and, and you bring up some great points. I think with having fantastic partners like Visit Mesa, uh, Molson Coors, the Arizona Cardinals, and groups that are saying – we support equality. We want to be able to get some visibility. We want to make sure that everybody is celebrated and welcomed at our own events in particular. Um, it makes people more aware of these organizations that are just as equal and just as talented and really uh, seek support uh, in these events. So uh, having great partners and having them come on and, and showcase and highlight and show their support to these events is really important. So being an ally of women's sports, obviously, you know, that's where you can come in and support them with those types of things, those introductions, those partnerships. But Rhonda, are you seeing a shift for you now? Are you seeing as you get, you know, you said you've been doing this for many, many years. Are you seeing a shift now towards you know, just not only financial equity, but also just equity in general in women's sports? It, it is getting there. But like I said, the needle is moving. It's just moving. It, it feels slow. Um, and, and I say that because I saw a stat very recently that I think only 4% of women's sports get the coverage uh, say ESPN or, or get get the get the time slots get the coverage get the media involved get the the word out there that there's a, a women's event happening um, and and that's uh, again go you, you go back to awareness um, how are we supposed to support women's sports when when we don't even know that they're happening when they don't we don't know what channel they're on when there's not a big push to you know get some butts in the seats as it were even if it's just viewers watching on, on television at home so yes i do i do think that that needle is moving i do think that we are making progress and i do think that you know it is it, it's a slow bake but 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 it is in the oven and, and we just need to you know kind of crank up the heat and get more of that more more often and and getting more um exposure for the women's sports because i mean honestly it feels the, the world is missing out i mean these are if you look at how how many people actually tuned into the women's world cup that was, I think, the largest audience that they that they had had. Uh, the women's Final Four college basketball last year, the the finals. Um, that was, I think, the most viewed final in NCAA history. I also heard that Iowa, which was one of those finalist teams, just last week sold out their season tickets for the women's professional basketball season for all of the home games. That's the first time that's ever that's ever happened in college for a male or female sport. So yes, there is progress. We just need to keep that momentum going. And actually, I want to call out Lance because I believe you told me recently it was um, flag football yeah. that you had an equal media day. Yeah, Arizona just sanctioned, the AIA just sanctioned uh, girls flag football in high school to be a, a high school sanctioned sport. Um, so the day, the media day that you know boys tackle football has had forever and ever and ever and ever. Um, this this year was the first time that we could, with the AIA sanction, add girls flag football to have a media day in front of all the news channels, in front of all the cameras, the exact same you know experience that those male athletes have had forever. 
um, it was it was awesome to see the girls enjoy it as well. And to your point, I think bringing in more events that are you know the female base of sports because I brought the baseball for all nationals here last year that is you know over thirteen hundred girls baseball players baseball not softball baseball and I had no idea until I had it here how much of a giant girls baseball following there was in Arizona we have one of the top teams in the in the East Valley of of the nation the pink October games coming in October I had no idea that women's flag football was such a huge thing until I just hosted a media day with all girls flag football so like you said I think bringing it here and showing the community that some of those young female athletes don't have to go through what you went through um, coming up being a second thought or an afterthought showing them that if you bring it in it's a thing it's it's happening it's going to happen whether you tune in or not but we should be tuning in if you build it, they will come. Yeah, exactly. Right. Absolutely. And that's, I think, something that, that we with Compete Sports Diversity offer, right? It's not just about partnerships and uh, sponsorship opportunities. It's really about in, including the entire sports community and anyone, really, even if you're not in sports. If you want to come out and see great competition, regardless of the gender or how you identify, coming out and just being part of something that's taking place is fantastic. It's funny that you say that. Uh, I still try to explain what my job is to people, and I didn't know what that this job even existed three years ago. So uh, basically what we do for the um, economic impact and the betterment of the community in the city, uh, we go out to spend a certain uh, budget that I have to go out and buy either the rights to a tournament, buy the fields, uh, put in negotiations and bids to uh, sporting organizations to bring in tournaments, whether it's youth, collegiate, professional. We leverage our assets here in the city uh, whether it be the A's in the Cubs Stadium, a collegiate stadium, um, or our city park fields, private facilities, to be able to bring in things that not only you know put heads in beds and fill our hotels, which is how we are funded by the bed tax, but also it, it, it brings people to eat in our restaurants, drink in our bars, bring some vibrancy to our downtown, which then in turns promotes more jobs, promotes more de- you know development. So it's this big pretty wheel that we get to be a part of. I just have I, I get to I'm blessed to have a hand in it in just the sports world. So why would someone want to come to Mesa? Why did, why did, for example, why did the Pick October Games want to come here? What makes Mesa special? And what makes you attract diverse opportunities for folks like, like them? You know, years ago when our, when our fearless leader, our CEO, came and Mesa is now the autism certified city uh, in America, and we've started to set that trend years ago. But that came from a very special spot in his life, who he has a son who's on the spectrum. And he thought, you know, holy crap, I'm a father traveling with somebody who's on the spectrum. Is anybody prepared for me? Um, our hotels, our restaurants, our attractions, our museums. And when he put when he put his foot down, is like, you know what? I want to make sure that there is a space for that, that there is a city for that. So we've we've since you know used that that designation um, as a springboard to go into so many other areas of of accessibility, diversity, inclusion. And so now that we've leveraged all of our assets, our parks, our facilities, the city of Mesa, our partnerships, um, we're showing that we can be a lot more inclusive because we have the means to be, we have the resources to be, we have the platform to show why that we are and how we're doing it. And it's always refreshing to hear other states and cities call you and ask you, hey, how did you win this? Or how are you doing this? Or um, what, what is the messaging going out? Like, how are you furthering that message? And it's by bringing you know, it, yes, it might just be sports, but bringing something inclusive in the sports world just showed that Mesa, from you know the youth coming out to watching it, parents coming out to buy tickets, um, seeing you know uh, a massive 300 team LGBTQ uh, sport tournament filling your bars, all of a sudden you're comfortable. You know that it's possible. 
you see it's representation and i feel like um if i can bring that little slice of representation and it happens to be in sports then that's what we do uh, you brought up some interesting points yeah i mean you're proud about the autism uh your autism work i saw the autism center uh yeah. logo in your in your office john when we talk about diversity at compete we don't we're not necessarily just talking about lgbtq plus which is what lance said Explain to us a little bit about what diversity means to you. Well, you know, that's a great point. I think initially when people think about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, they initially go to three things. They think about sexual orientation, gender, eth and ethnicity. And it's so much more than that. There's um, people who are being compromised, people who are in recovery, people who, you know, there's a big thing going on right now with age discrimination where there's, you know, uh, efforts for equality in that spectrum. So I think, you know, hearing Lance's passion and what Visit Mercy offers is a big reason why they continue to get events like Lynn Lewis Foundation and Peak October Games. You know, it's not just about how you identify. It's not even, you know, initially starts with the sport, but it really is about going in celebration of community and being welcomed in that community, and more importantly, being safe. And so all the things that Lance talks about with all the partners and how the city's behind them and how they have this, you know, leading the way with autism and, and they, they, you know, their initiatives and their creativity and their innovation is what draws people to want to come to this uh, destination. Rhonda, how do you, do you feel? Do you feel the women are? Do you feel the women are equally? When you go to a professional event, like say for example the cha World Championships, which you've won before, correct? Do you feel like the the community is as supportive of the women's side as they are the men's side of those of those events? At at that particular event, yes, I do. Um, I there have been uh, events where I mean when we when we have our our pro events, it's ninety percent of the time it's women only. But there are large events such as the U.S. Open where it's the men's tour and the women's tour together. And that one still has some work to do. Um, I was actually uh, unable to attend the one last year. But all the years previous to that, the ones that I have, have participated in, um, the women did not get equal time on the show court. We did not have our matches on there until the semis at worst. Every now and then a quarterfinal match would be on that court. But... Um, you know, if there was a women's match scheduled on that court, on the main show court, which is all glass, it's a very spectacular, you know, piece of construction that they kind of erect just for that event, tear it down, store it for the next one. It's, it's a special court to play on. It's not an easy court to play on, but it's great for the viewership. Anyway, they, they have us on there for just a few matches, whereas they have the men's matches on there starting with their, their earliest rounds. Um, and, and a tournament that's five, six days long, and we don't get to be on there until Saturday for the semis and finals. Um, you know, there's a very different adjustment period for us. Uh, obviously, again, back to the coverage, people aren't, aren't re recognizing, aren't able to recognize that there's great women's matches that happened over here, but they weren't being streamed or they weren't being filmed or they weren't on the show court for, you know, the masses. And to that's see. what Visit Mesa does really well. That, that's amazing. Adaptive sports is huge and growing. And I know that, you know, that's, you start, most play, most of these groups start small. You can't start at the top, right? Log it, when it started, what is it, 45 now or 46 years, 46 John? years. I mean, they didn't start with 54 member cities across the country, right? No. So if somebody wants to reach you, Lance, how do they do that? What's the best way to go to your website? Should they just email you? How do they reach you? Yeah, my email is about as simple as it gets. It's uh, lance at visitmesa.com. Um, and like, you know, going back to, uh, like you said, with the accessibility and adaptive sports, I, you know, I sit on the board for Arizona Disabled Sports. The reason... When I was playing um, pro ball in France, we shared the exact same court as the uh, French national wheelchair basketball team. And so um, when I went in there, uh, you know, fat and happy and 6'6 and athletic and top of my game, they, they said, okay, cool, um, come do that in a chair. Uh, and I've never felt more dumb and humble in the sport that I was being there to be paid to play. And from that point on, that was 10 years ago, and I said, any chance I get to be in that space in the sports world, I would do it. 
Um, so that's that's one proud board uh, member, like you know, title that I have that I'm super proud of. That um, we get to further um, the accessibility in our efforts, springboarding off of autism um, to other physical and um, you know mental abilities and adaptive sports. Where do you think sports is going, John? What's the future of uh, sports diversity? Do you think it's going to just blend in and become part of traditional sports? Or do you think there's always going to be an aspect that that makes it a little bit different? I think it's um, moving in a direction to be more inclusive and more visible. And I think it's because of the opportunities conferences like Compete offers. I think it's with great partners with Visit Mesa. Um, Molson Coors, you've mentioned a couple of partners that we've, we have. Support of professional sports really getting involved and saying you are just as amazing as our paid athletes to be rec you deserve to be recognized and celebrated and included in in recognition um, and so i i expect to see more and more visibility and presence from our community sports groups on a more national grant uh, granular scale rhonda what do you think the future of sports are for women or or even just any diversity what do you think that what do you think the future holds um we will have a lot more diversity and equity and inclusion and you know across across all of the means of of being able to for me, what all of that means is not ever having to look anyone in the eye and say, no, you can't play. It's, it's providing that opportunity for anyone who has the desire, anyone who has, hey, I want to I want to give this a shot. Anyone who can come in and have the best experience possible trying out a new sport or, you know, enjoying the sport that they've loved since they were a kid or whatever. It, like no one no one's going to turn you away and say, no, you can't play for any of those reasons. So I have, a, I do have a question for you. We talk about the changing sports, women, diversity. I think one of the biggest is esports. Isn't that really changing the landscape of sports altogether? Lance, are you feeling? Do you feel like that's more an open and diverse environment for people in general, or not? It is because it it really um, it really shares an even playing field for um, any you know uh, any ability, um, any um, any gender, any race. Any it's the most even playing field that you can get. What, what is booming in it is the tourism surrounding it, which is obviously our job. So you know, now they have eSports uh, conferences that are specific to eSports and all the organizations. So um, I think that is a very large growing, um, you know, technology is growing with it. So the ability to host massive giant events that have to do with eSports um, is also helping for the diversity uh, in that because anybody, everybody, um, you know, can play it. John, do you wanna, let's go right into the events now, if that's okay. Sure. As you mentioned, um, we have a couple of events that we uh, have upcoming that we want to make sure. Um, just to mention, all these events can be found by following us on our LinkedIn and Facebook pages or by going to CompeteNetwork.com. So come, some upcoming shout-outs I want to give is, first of all, the Women's Summit, as you mentioned, October 10th, uh, 9th through 11th at State Farm Stadium with our great partners, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we have the Lynn Lewis Foundation coming in, uh, presenting the Pink October Games here in Mesa, Arizona, October 12th through 15th. They're estimated to have, estimated to have about 1,000 participants here uh, throughout their uh, visit. Um, we also have a main attraction, a recreational sports, Turf Wars, November 17th through 19th. Not a surprise, they're coming here to Mesa, Arizona as well. Expected to have about 1,200 participants uh, visiting our valley. And then lastly, keep an eye on our social media platforms as we will be sharing a big announcement with the Arizona Cardinals presenting their Equality Pride Night, uh, Quality Night, um, excuse me, pregame event at Glendale Stadium. Awesome, awesome, awesome. That's a lot, a lot of great things happening. I also want to give an early shout out to the uh, Sin City Classic coming up in January in Las Vegas, which is one of our premier events. We're totally excited about that. And just so grateful to be here with all of you and sharing this, this time with you. We invite you to check out CompeteNetwork.com, visit Mesa.com. Rhonda, what's, is there a website or email address for you? Yeah, Rhonda at RhondaSpeaks.com. And that's also the website, RhondaSpeaks.com. Launched last week, super excited. Go check it out. You can also reach us here at Compete Sports Diversity 
um, too. And I think the Arizona Coyotes have a um, Pride Night coming up and just so much happening uh, that, we're, that we want to bring to you. So we look forward to seeing you in about a month. This has been a great time. Any, any closing words besides goodbye to everybody? Thank you, guys. Really appreciate the time and uh, enjoy being here. And let's do this again. Look forward to having all of you back. Thank yeah, you so this much. was fantastic. Thanks, everyone.